Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin and welcome to another fall weekend here from the Great Badger State. We have our full panel with us. Fortunately, Priscilla is detained at the moment with uh, some maintenance work uh, being done in her uh, the facility she lives in. So she will be with us very shortly, but we got to get rolling without here at the moment. Now, Robert Craig is with us to get rolling. Robert's the executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert, great to have you. Good to be here, Matt. Well, um, again, we have a number of things we're going to talk about. We are going to dive very deep into the uh, latest on the Milwaukee Brewers uh, owner's effort to to get the stadium. Uh, we're going to have both Senator Larson on for an update on what's been going on and also Representative Francesca Hong, who sits on the, the committee that was here last week uh, and certainly want to hear about that a little bit. Uh, we, we actually heard about that a little bit last week, but we want to hear from her and her reflections and then the current situation, obviously. Um, so, and she's also just, will preview, uh, has some new legislation she wants to tell us about uh, that we think is really important. So with that, um, look, it's a, it's a rough time. Um, we're going to talk and at least just, I, I, I want to give each of our panelists an opportunity just to reflect on what's been happening in, in Palestine and the Israeli um, Gaza situation, uh, the war. So it's a war basically. Um we unfortunately don't have time to go deep into it because uh, of our other guests. But, Robert, I just wanted to give you and Priscilla, if she has a chance to get back before, um, an opportunity for some reflections and just uh, thoughts. Robert? Yeah. So, look, what happened over the weekend uh, is horrendous, though I caution everyone in the fog of war a lot of stories being repeated on cable news they're not verified and that's what happens in wars so let's be careful about the various atrocity stories we'll need to wait it's bad but we'll have to wait for independent human rights investigation as to exactly you know wh which horrific incidents occurred horrific incidents certainly occurred uh but i just want to caution us that uh empathy it's important to have empathy for the Palestinian people and the Israeli people. And the kind of emotions, the kind of lack of empathy that motivated what happened over the weekend, uh, we're also hearing from a lot of the leadership of Likud, the conservative party that's dominated Israel, concerning Palestinians. And that is what leads to this back and forth and this endless conflict, like a Northern Ireland situation that is perpetual that we need to have empathy for both sides, understand human rights. And when we throw international law, yes, it, Hamas violate all sorts of international standards. Israel is already cutting off food, water, and electricity, which is a violation of international law. So we cannot tolerate that either because the entire Palestinian people group punishment, and that's what's been happening with this open air prison that is Gaza, is not ethical and not legal according to international norms, uh, but that doesn't justify what the, 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 the horrific things that happened over the weekend. So we need to get out of this controversy of equal empathy on both sides and get to a higher human kind of framework here. Uh, Priscilla has been able to uh, get back and join us. Priscilla, uh, just 
some basic some reflections on obviously what's been going on uh, we've already stated we're not going to do a deep dive because uh, we just don't have time and do a disservice but I wanted to give each of you an opportunity just to reflect um, Priscilla yeah um, so last night I went to um, a march and rally that Milwaukee had downtown um, as part of the uh, free Palestine movement and it was really I haven't it's been probably pre-pandemic since I've been to uh, a rally and it was uh, really moving to see so many people take to the streets and be like no this is not this is not okay uh, and have the constant chant of you know from the river to the sea Palestine will be free um, it's it's a it's a really disheartening time and there's so much misinformation out there and it can get so confusing very, very quickly. But I do want to encourage that Haymarket Books for the next few days has free uh, ebook versions of different Palestinian history and struggle for justice books. So if you are interested in learning more, now is a really great time to start reading these things, to start trying to make sense if we can make sense, uh, what we can make sense of it. Uh, so just, this is a really, this is a really tough time. Um, this is one of the biggest moments I think of my, uh, life that seeing like, wow, what are people, what are our electeds saying about it? How disappointed can we be in some electeds and not in others and the infighting, and there's just there's so much. Yeah, we could spend yeah. weeks on on this. It's it's depressing and shocking, right? On coming together, um, not shocking in terms of understanding the history of what's gone on, and that this is you know fits into a long history that is tr incredibly tragic. Um, I just. The situation right now is like it is literally Robert laid it out. I mean, it's war right now. Um, what's going on and it, uh, yet another war uh, and the tragic loss on both sides is. Uh, it's hard. Again, it's hard to fathom. It's, it's just like, um, you know, some of the same scenes when any war gets started, right? The atrocities that you're going to see. Um, look, I appreciate both of your comments and also Priscilla, right? Understanding the history because folks, if we don't know the history of what's gone on in, in, in that region, it's, it is incomprehensible just to understand the situation. And it's important to understand the history on both sides. Um, I did have a privilege when I was at UWM in my grad program to have, uh, actually multiple, uh, amazing classes on the situation, both from uh, professors who had uh, very strong pro-Palestinian and both strong Israeli sides. And they were amazing. Some of the most um, moving classes, because uh, as Priscilla mentioned, the history is important to understand. You just cannot understand this inhumanity on both sides without understanding the history. Um, but we are going to move on because we have a lot coming and we have some guests later in the show. Um, and we do, we did have 
a piece of news that we've been tracking that's so critical to our just struggling democracy here in Wisconsin, and that is the whole situation around the ability of Janet Protasiewicz to be seated on the Supreme Court. Again, Janet won in a landslide election and uh, just this April, and the election was about <laughs> redistricting and some of the fundamentals of democracy. It was a core part of it. So as we know, there's been an effort to impeach Janet or discussion of that, particularly out of Robin Voss. And the big news this week that I just want to give you each a minute on before we go to break, um, that we had two Supreme Court former conservative justices speak out this week and tell Robin Voss there is really there is no case for an impeachment. Uh, Priscilla, your first thoughts and then Robert, uh, you take us to break. Yeah, um, they said the part that we all knew. There's no case for this. Um, I'm really glad that they made it so public and that Voss did not have a chance to sweep this under the rug uh, and be like, no, we don't have any proof that they, oh, that was just an email. Maybe I didn't see it. Like, we know they put this out. AP News broke it. Um, they was what we all have known. And now, like, yeah, sure. Voss is going to try and go a different route, but he's always going to do that. He's always going to try and find another route to these things because that's what Republicans will do. They are relentless in their quest to suppress voters. Uh, but I'm just really I'm I'm very glad that they were so public and open about like, hey, this is wrong because it could have gone very differently. Yeah. And. Priscilla, in a nutshell, uh, before I kick it over back to Robert, it's like, uh, look, I expect Voss not to necess- to be deterred by this news, uh, but it is refreshing to have old guard, old school conservative Republicans, David Prosser, this is a guy who is not any uh, liberal, say, no, 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 there's no real basis in our actual law or constitution. Robert. Well, Priscilla's right to caution that they'll stop at nothing and to to protect highly undemocratic maps that make a mockery of any notion Wisconsin is a functioning democracy, and it's that bad. Uh, But it, you know, at least it's not happening right away, but we need to continue to build and put pressure on them to know that they can't get away with it. I will say this, Justice Wilcox released his, told the AP voluntarily, uh, former Justice Prosser actually uh, was hit with an open records request uh, from American Oversight, I believe, and therefore came forward. Um, you got to wonder if uh, I thought that they would simply tell him the process. I didn't imagine they would just say publicly that there's no basis and therefore the process would take a while because they have to be hearings and fact finding, etc. So I don't know where they go from here other than the bizarre statements by Voss that the U.S. Supreme Court will decide whether she should recuse or not. And I've read uh, the shadow docket ruling by Amy Coney Barrett and the and the uh, dissent by uh, Justice Sotomayor, which is great. And it was only on this weird technical grounds that you hadn't proven that having extra American district didn't violate the Voting Rights Act, i.e. the right wing canard of reverse discrimination. And I don't know what the federal constitutional basis would be for overruling state authorities like the Judicial Commission on whether or not Janet Kodasiewicz has to accuse herself. And the Judicial Commission has ruled she does not. There is no violation of the Judicial Code of Conduct in Wisconsin. Look, 
we got to go take our first break. We're going to continue to track this, but it, uh, it, it's important news. Uh, but as Priscilla immediately cautioned us, we will keep an eye on this. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are going to switch topics back to something we have spent in a tremendous amount of time on the show talking about, uh, and that is the effort by the owner of the Brewers uh, to to get upgrades uh, to the stadium, repairs, and a bunch of other things, and an extension on a lease, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, essentially about 600 million plus of public money with virtually little in return and and a major chunk about 200 million uh, being stuck to Milwaukee um, we are joined uh, now with special guest uh, Senator Chris Larson who's been a leader on fighting to try to get a much better deal than what's uh, been floated either by the governor or uh, uh, Robin Voss and the Republicans. Senator Larson, um, thank you for joining us today to give us an update on this process. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you guys um, for covering this so well and for for all the activists who are part of Citizen Action for uh, continuing to stay on this topic when there's a lot of other stuff going on, quite frankly. Well, look, you know, we're just a week off of a bizarre public hearing um, that was mostly just a puff puff presentation for the Voss bill. Um, And we'll get to it later. You are going to be having a virtual town hall, which means any, quite frankly, anyone statewide who is in opposition to this, you should get on that. But that is not why you're here. Um, you're here because um, you had reached out to me yesterday and and were very concerned that the governor's office was um, reaching out to state legislators, particularly Democratic state legislators, and encouraging them to support the Voss Stadium plan. Um, tell us more about what's going on, what you're hearing, um, and just what you think our listeners should know and should probably be doing uh, in response. Yeah, um, it is. It's quite disheartening for anybody who's been paying attention and for folks who do not believe in, in frankly, corporate welfare uh, or people like me who believe that the, the rich should pay their fair share once again, the same way they did um, after uh, FDR um, stuck it to uh, some of the big tycoons who were absorbing all the money and helped create the middle class, right? We have the greatest wealth disparity in the history of our country right now. Um, and unfortunately, instead of doing something to correct it, um, we in the state capital right now, there's an effort to uh, pressure um, not just Republicans, but Democrats to try and give away $600 million of taxpayer dollars to uh, the brewer's owner. And just to be clear, we've already given $1.6 billion over to the brewers. This is, as you guys have covered, has been a huge, huge um, problem happening across the country where these billionaire owners, uh, instead of, you know, being able to pay for it themselves or paying it for for themselves, they realize that they can get taxpayers to cover it, right? Um, And so that's what's been happening now. That's, that of course is, is shocking and frustrating, 
But what was was really shocking is finding out that the governor's office and his staff are calling uh, to try and get Robin Voss 18 Democrats, which is the the price he is charging uh, to try and get um, uh, the bill through and saying, like, if you don't do this, it'll be an even worse version. And we expect it from Robin Voss. We expect this bluster from him. But it coming from the governor and his staff is is something new. Um, so check with your your representatives, um, because this is a lot of this is happening behind closed doors. It's happening without the public knowledge of it. And just to be clear, if you you know, if you feel isolated and you feel like, well, gosh, this doesn't this doesn't seem like it's something that makes sense. We shouldn't be giving money over to the brewers. You're not alone. It's actually a majority opinion over half of the state. Uh, poll after poll comes out and says nothing. Zero dollars should go to them. Um, and then from there, the other half like to look at, the, or what's less than half, uh, like to look at, at what other things could be asked for. But we start at less than half. Uh, so that's why this is happening behind closed doors. So check with your legislators, see where they're at, tell them not to give in to Robin Voss's bullying on this. Folks, if you need to call your state legislators, which you need to, uh, 1-800-362-9472. That is a toll-free hotline. Not that you got to pay much anymore, but if you do, <laughs> please call that number and um, they can patch you through to uh, your state senator and your state representative. You, they need to hear from you. Robert, uh, you take first question and then Priscilla, follow up. So, Chris, thank you for speaking out. I call this, and I mean this, a high moral mission, a form of whistleblowing. So thank you for that. Um, let me just say that I'm encouraging our organizers and our members to think like organizers. And when I see something like dog, dog, and, dog and cat are best friends, take a step back, what's going on? Now, one at one level, I want to get to the deeper level, at one level, we know there's no factual basis for any for this. There, there's the economic benefits are a lie. Massive 130 right. studies. There's no urgency. It's a six-year lease. There's no reason we have to do it now, other than Major League Baseball wants to extract as much as possible from many cities as possible before they expand. It's their priority, not ours. Right. And and also, this is not a bad market. This is a team that is that is very valuable much in the middle of the pack because we have a great statewide fan base. So, and I yeah. top 10 attendance. So, but you see, you know, Voss allegedly pitch enemies, Evers and, and Voss cooperating on this. Uh, some would say, Oh, that's great. That's bipartisan. Cause that's supposed to be some high holy. No, what it tells me is it's a wizard of Oz moment. I want your reaction to this. The Wizard of Oz was actually originally a populist novel during the radical populist era. And it's about what's really controlling the action. It's not the wicked wizard of the West. It's not the cowardly lion or the straw man or the tin man. It's the man behind the curtain. So what this tells me is, is that the men, mostly men behind the curtains, who really control Wisconsin politics, and I've been saying on Battleground Wisconsin for a while, don't think of Voss as the power. There are people funding him behind him. He's a shield for them. So my reading is, is this means the power that controls uh, 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 politicians in both parties is doing this and behind it and and working their will. And this is a question, since it's unpopular, of whether people represent the public or whether they represent those people behind the curtain. I want to get your reaction to that. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, you 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 opened and you closed with with all facts there, right? Nothing but facts being served this morning. It is uh, this is not something we need to be rushing on. The only reason that there is a a big push happening right now is because the the brewers, the powers that be, know that this is wildly unpopular, and that the more that that uh, um, I think it was Zirin was the economist you guys brought on to talk about this, uh, they recognize that it it makes sense not to have the public debate because they keep losing. So a way to to win is to just not have the debate at all. And so all of this is happening behind closed doors. And by the time people feel like they have a chance to chime in, it's done. It'll be done and passed. And what's what's baffling to me is there's there's been no time to my memory where, um, frankly, the governor's staff and, and there has been this much pressure to, to call around. And I think of, of I mean, I, I think of any issue that you're that you're dealing with. Right. That, that citizen action is fighting for. Right. Healthcare uh, affordability. Uh, making sure that housing is affordable, making sure that public education is getting the dollars it deserves or even matches what it was getting for uh, adjusting for inflation 16 years ago, which it's not right now. Um, you know, paving roads, making sure infrastructure is there, all of those things. And if there was even half the level of effort being put forward, um, we would have those things. Unfortunately, it's it's being it's being this political capital is being spent to try and give tax breaks to the rich to uh, trying to be able to give the brewers this, this sweetheart deal and doing it quickly. Uh, and to be clear, I think that there's, you know, people can go to my, my, uh, my state website, just Google my name. It'll, it'll be one of the first ones that pops up. We have a frequent asked questions. I have two newsletters that dive into this because um, there's a lot of misinformation. People saying, ah, the brewers, because the state owns this, we have to do it. You alluded to that. This lease runs out. Right. The lease runs out in 2030. So this is the time to negotiate and try and get something better. If we don't do that, then we are stuck with this same bad deal through 2050. This is the time to renegotiate it. The brewers are asking for way more money. Um, and so being able to, to, to say that they're going to be uh, getting $22 million a year in exchange for paying $4 million is not a deal. Right. We should expect much more in return. And this is on us to try and uh, to do that. This is the chance we have leverage because there's not enough Republican votes to do it. Democrats should hold out their votes uh, until you get something that actually looks like a progressive proposal. Priscilla, you get the follow up. Yeah. Um, so we uh, obviously when it comes to the brewers, they are the Milwaukee brewers, but this is a statewide thing and so how can we you know make sure that our our messaging and everything that we're talking about includes that full statewide aspect of it other than being like you know you don't need to just call your representatives who are in milwaukee like call everybody what else can people outside of milwaukee in the five county area do and how can we make sure this is a statewide something everybody's paying attention to statewide Everybody's got two representatives, a state rep and a state senator. Every one of them gets a vote on this. And frankly, if you talk to people, there's certain people who are hearing a lot from their their constituents, their neighbors about this, and some aren't hearing at all. Um, but it's still dollars that spend the same way. This is $600 million, right, that would be that could be spent on any number of different things. There are ways to solve this that make sense. You know, people who use it in the stadium should actually pay the most, leveraging a fee for everything that happens within the stadium to fund it moving forward. I call me old fashioned, but I uh, I think business should operate like a business, right? People 
Uh, so, so if they're not it making sense, then they should figure out something else uh, to, to try and uh, balance it out. But if they're going to ask for public dollars, those public dollars should come from uh, what is actually generated within that stadium and not the, uh, the voodoo economics of trickle down, pretending that it's uh, coming from rich people who, who aren't taking deductions. And frankly, that Republicans aren't trying to give a huge tax cut to right now. So call your legislators, tell them to um, most of them, I think, are by default are a no. So I, I, what I've been saying is tell them to hold their no and not hold their nose. So. Senator Larson, first of all, I want to thank you for leading on this from the beginning, but also for coming on today quickly to update us on what's been going on inside the Capitol on this. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. Keep up the good fight, guys. Probably Absolutely. With and with that, folks, we're going to take our, our next break. When we come back, we are going to be joined by State Representative Francesca Hong to talk not only about the stadium situation, as we said, she sits on the relevant committee. We can't wait to hear her thoughts on the testimony she heard, but also her very exciting new legislation that she's going to tell you all about. We're very excited to hear more about that. Folks, you're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're super happy to be joined by State Representative Francesca Hong. Great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And to talk about both those topics that we previewed on the backside, um, you have sit on this committee uh, that, the, that had the public hearing uh, <laughs> on the Brewer <laughs> State. Yeah, thank you. Well, we'll give you... Give us your reaction. We've, we've already provided some of our thoughts in the past on the quality of the hearing. But um, in all seriousness, um, you asked a lot of very serious questions. Um, your your thoughts on the hearing and uh, where we stand. My thoughts on the hearing. First off, we were bombarded by a corporate tidal wave of, and very coordinated one between the brewers, uh, Schreiber lobbying um, MLB, uh, as well as, um, uh, you know, the author, Representative Brooks. Um, it was devastating that it was, I don't know, four hours until we heard community testimony. Um, and for legislators and the media, and, you know, that to me is not a democratic process. And I was particularly disturbed by the fact that you know, my Republican colleagues asked very few questions and clearly didn't. I don't even know if some of them read the bill, to be honest, because the only thing that they were interested in was getting their talking point across about how I'm not in Milwaukee, uh, but how does this benefit my community? Um, and so from like that to me proves that uh, they're not uh, in any way interested in negotiating in good faith in looking out what's best for Milwaukee. And they certainly don't believe that a strong Milwaukee is a strong Wisconsin. And that's what I really wanted to get across was that even though I'm a Madison legislator, I know when the city of Milwaukee and the county of Milwaukee are strong in 
both in a fiscal position and their communities are safe and thriving, that the rest of the state is safe and thriving. And so it was very disappointing, but um, I was glad that my Democratic colleagues and I, um, you know, asked the tougher questions, especially when it came to um, both Representative Brooks um, and uh, the lobbyists for the Brewers. Priscilla. You put that uh, very well. It was a long wave of just corporate thing after corporate thing. Um, and I will say, like, I don't know how y'all are, like, how you sit there and, and listen. And, like, you clearly read the bill. Let me put that out there as well. Like, it was very apparent the people who did read the bill, people who read the like top lines of the bill so appreciative of uh all of your very good and thorough and thoughtful questioning um and i just want to draw attention to detail and ask a question in this of um you made sure to talk about milwaukee uh in all of your questions and making sure that milwaukee does not unfairly get burdened with all of this yet again, especially after we just went through a really terrible shared revenue uh, package, I guess is the right word. Uh, but tell tell the listener, similar to what Larson just talked about, but like, how are you as a not Milwaukee representative making sure that this is not a burden that the people of Milwaukee have to unfairly bear? Because like Milwaukee here in Madison, we're struggling to fund our public schools. We're fun, we're struggling to fund our public transit. Um, our libraries, bless them. Both Milwaukee and Madison have some really kick-ass uh, social media and, and libraries right now. Um, but they deserve to have a sustainable future as well. And so in thinking about the neighbor who does not give a damn about Brewers or, or Major League Baseball, I need to make sure that they have access to the services they need. Um, and the current uh, version, AB 438, does not in any way guarantee uh, that the city services and county services would be fiscally sound and available to all Milwaukee uh, citizens. And so um, an $85 million net loss for the county was unacceptable and a non-starter to me. Um, I know that uh, when I say a strong Milwaukee is a strong Wisconsin, uh, what I mean is that when we have our largest city um, able to fund uh, public services and show the rest of us that we can have a government that is a force of good, it trickles out. And, you know, the middle, we talk about middle out all the time. Those economic benefits will come to our city as well. Um, and when, when Madison is growing, we want to be growing with Milwaukee. And so I think uh, in really highlighting that we need to have government that is a force of good, we have an opportunity to do that. The state is in a sound fiscal position with over $4 billion in surplus right now, even after the current budget has gone through. We do not have to make Make an additional investment in a stadium and folks who are running that stadium who refuse to do anything as small as a ticket tax. Robert. Uh, thanks, Representative Hong, for your leadership on this and many other issues. I know we'll talk about some other issues uh, later with you um, that you're leading on. Uh, just, I remember how bad Foxconn was, and I waited six hours to testify there. So this was only better than that. And this is worse. In fact, I think there are Republicans, from my understanding, in the Senate who oppose this, who would have voted for Foxconn. This has less accountability. And I think you're absolutely right. 
we have pressing priorities that are dramatically underfunded in this state and giving a hundred millionaire money he doesn't need in Major League Baseball money they don't need because they have the power to demand it in every city it should not be a high priority but the way this goes through shows how much influence and power the people behind the curtains do they're the wizards and the wizard of oz so my question to you is because you don't go back all the way to foxconn where does this just reflecting any new legislator finds out that the uh civic book view of democracy and how things work does not is not reflected once you're on the inside right and I'm just wondering where this process we're seeing now fits in with what else you've witnessed as a good civically minded citizen finding out how stuff actually works, right? Picking up the rock, but being under the rock with this system. So I just want to get any reflections you have on where this fits in in your experience so far. The last four years I've noticed and I've seen firsthand that the democratic process is not only bruised, but it's hemorrhaging. We will see, just like with the redistricting bill, that it went through without a public hearing, brought up in the middle of session. We were given 15 minutes to maybe stop by the author's office and, uh, you know, ask him questions about it. Uh, we've seen many bills go through without a public hearing uh, and only and get an executive action or be pushed through through rules. My freshman term, he was literally sitting back, getting pummeled with a pipe fire hose of what the rules are and what the speaker can or cannot do. And so many times I asked questions, it was the speaker's office has the power to do that. And so I think uh, what we witnessed last week at the public hearing for the Brewer Stadium bill is that, you know, they will uh, utilize whatever manner necessary to make sure that their agenda gets across and it's their talking points that are loudest. And so whether it be ensuring that for four hours we have uh, business leaders and folks from Major League Baseball uh, and lobbyists only speaking on a bill that's going to impact everyday Wisconsin, everyday Wisconsinites and everyday Milwaukee folks the most, uh, to the fact that uh, we've seen now, uh, today we're hearing terrible anti-trans bills in the Senate, and it's going to be getting an executive hearing tomorrow. Um, that is not a democratic process that, uh, you know, ensures that uh, the majority of voices are heard in Wisconsin. And one thing that it doesn't allow us to have a conversation on further is the fact that community accessibility to these processes are in fact impacted and have barriers themselves. And you've got folks working multiple jobs or trying to just make sure that their kid is getting to school on time. I know I've got, uh, I know I've got a tardy list. <laughs> I'm on the tardy list for my kid. Um, People may not always know what's going to be happening to their neighborhood or in their community. Um, and those are the voices that we need to hear from the most. And so these are deliberate attacks, not only on democracy, but to ensure that we have a less equitable process. So first of all, I want to give either one of our panelists an opportunity, if you have a, follow, a final follow up on this strand before we move on to our uh, talking about this exciting new legislation. Okay. Great. So, first of all, thank you, Representative Hong, for your reflections on that. It's really important to hear that. And I'll just say I'm struck and have been uh, about what you just talked about as one of the fundamental problems with our democracy is it's it's not really set up to be open to our people and to just regular folks, regular, just average people 
I mean, a lot of times even, you know, whether it be timing, the way the meetings run, the the buildings, the setup, everything is in many ways often, you know, it's exclusionary. And so I, I including the way like a lot of our county boards, they meet in the afternoon, mm-hmm. they're deliberately set up to exclude regular people. So I appreciate you saying that. And I know as a small business owner, it's important to have all kinds of myriads of uh, of the voices we need in order to have a functioning multiracial democracy, which is like the most important experiment that we're all involved in. So I appreciate that. Um, We're going to take a quick, thank you. Thank you so much. I'll just make one note. Sorry, I I know we're running short on time. Just one note that I think it's also the responsibility of legislators to democratize information. In order to have a strong democratic process, we need to ensure that we are uh, alerting folks and checking in with their organizers constantly, which is why we had all of that testimony come through for the trans anti-trans legislation. And so democratizing information and ensuring that we're using every channel that we have to reach folks is on the, res- is the responsibility of legislators as well. And we rarely see that happening with my Republican colleagues, if at all. Thank you for saying that. It's actually one of the things we talk about when people are running for office about who we are as an organization and our members. And like, will you work with us to to co-govern, we call it, because we think that that's such a critical aspect that's missing. So thank you so much for speaking to that. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about a very exciting new piece of legislation uh, that would direct school boards to provide instruction on Hmong Americans and Asian Americans in our public schools. It's fantastic. Folks, you're listening to Ballot Now Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. So, Representative, please tell us about this exciting new legislation uh, that you are leading, and I assume there's others involved, but please tell us about it. Yes, this is actually a Republican-led bill. Uh, Representative Pat Snyder of Wausau and Senator Corey Tomchik of uh, Central Wisconsin as well are reintroducing AB 232 or SB 240, which is uh, would amend Act 31 to include Hmong Americans and Asian Americans uh, in uh, curriculum through K-12 schools. This is, you know, uh, has been an effort that's been ongoing since 2017 session. Uh, and this is the first year that this bill has received a public hearing. We were talking about the democratic process earlier, and I will tell you that uh, in the every session that this bill has been introduced to include Asian Americans in Act 31, um, it has never gotten a public hearing or an executive session. And this year, historically, through the organizing efforts of students, families, teachers, uh, teachers' unions across the state, um, and school boards as well, we've seen uh, uh, this bill get a public hearing for the first time since 2017. And it was historic. And we heard testimony from all across the from folks all across the state um, sharing their stories of why including Asian American history, which is American history in our schools, betters all students. Priscilla. Yeah, um, I did not know that this was a uh, initially a Republican led effort. I think um, it makes that that highlight that like there is room for bipartisanship uh, on a lot of these things. Um, and one thing I uh, want to highlight, if y'all are not following uh, 
Francesca on all of the socials, but especially Twitter. Uh, her team does a great job of explaining all of these things um, and explaining how these bills go through the assembly and Senate because it's a lot of work and it's confusing. Um, so I definitely want to shout you out there. Um, what, uh, what can we do? What is, I know you and how you run things uh, is often like you can do social media. This is how you write a letter. This is how you write an op-ed. What are all the things? How can we do things to make sure that we can be more inclusive as the state of Wisconsin, as it grows into a more uh, majority minority state? I love that question, Priscilla, and thank you so much. Uh, our team, both uh, on the campaign and uh, in the office side, uh, does a great job in uh, making sure folks know what's going on here in the building. Um, I will say, I want to just uplift really quick that Representative Katrina Shanklin has been integral in moving this legislation um, and introducing it in the years before I got to the legislature. Um, and it was intentional and deliberate to have this be a Republican-led bill uh, to try to get as much and garner as much bipartisan support as we can. Folks can absolutely continue to organize with us. Just because we've seen some movement in the Assembly does not mean we've seen it in the Senate. We are asking people to write letters to their senators, emails. We've got postcard templates, all in a communications toolkit that if you reach out to our office, rep.ong at legis.wi.gov. We're happy to share out that communications toolkit. It will uh, tell you the history of the bill, uh, different talking points we're using. We're encouraging people to share a personal story as to why including um, an increasing visibility for Asian American community uh, helps their community. Um, we've got uh, templates there on how to email folks in the legislature. But right now, the big push is to ensure um, and demand from Senator Jagler uh, that this bill get a public hearing in the Education Committee in the Senate, moves in the Senate, and then ultimately gets to the governor's desk. Robert. Let me ask, Francisca, from your experience as uh, as an Asian-American woman in Wisconsin, we're a very different state than, say, California, where there's a very large AAPI population, and it's actually segmented in terms of nationality because the groups are so large. The Filipinos are separate from the Chinese and so on. Um I'm just wondering, in a state like Wisconsin, and we're a state where the population is spread out, a lot of places that are extremely highly majority white, not very diverse, that's just the way the state is demographically spread out right now. Um, what it's like to be an AAPI child and have your classmates, your teachers, know nothing about your heritage, your tradition, what your family is like, and in fact, even group you together with everyone else who is who, who who you know is looks Asian, so to speak, right? I'm not understanding that's like it means about as much as saying someone is European. In other words, that that's not very you know it means a lot. I mean, European is a thing, but uh, you know, individual nationalities have their own identity in addition to being European. And so, API as many you know sub identities uh, among in this state especially having a very unique story and very different than other other immigrants. Uh, so how did we have a reflection on what feels to like literally no one knows who you are and where you come from and you're in a place where 
very, very few people from your tradition and your heritage are there in the classroom or in the school? Yeah, um, for me, I had the privilege of growing up in a diverse community for my early childhood years. Uh, I had grown up in this beautiful place called Eagle Heights. And so it was a lot of grad students and university folks from all around the world uh, who lived in university housing. And it was where, uh, you know, multiracial, multiethnic, multicultural uh, kids all just coexisted and lived and thrived together. And I thought that's how the rest of the world was. It wasn't until I went into uh, grade school that I recognized, especially with the proximity between Eagle Heights and a very wealthy neighborhood in Madison called Shorewood, um, that I realized that I was different. And I think when you don't feel safe or that there's intention behind asking you to care about and share about your culture, um, you walk through a lot of those halls and you go through schooling with shame. Um, and I think that uh, you it becomes easier to gain social or economic mobility. And you recognize that early on, I did, um, that uh, being closer to whiteness or making sure that I had white friends was a way for me to protect myself. Um, I talk to young people now in our schools here in at MMSD in Madison Public Schools, and I see Asian American students of all different backgrounds across the diaspora incredibly proud to be Asian. And it took me a while to get there. And so I'm looking forward and very prideful of the leadership across uh, the state, really, from uh, Hmong folks to Filipinos to folks from East Asia, being very prideful of their heritage and wanting to share that and knowing that sharing those stories is helping to make their classrooms and their community stronger. But growing up as an only and still being an only here in the legislature, there are absolutely pockets of shame where um, you don't feel like you have the right to share or be proud of your culture. Um, and that can be incredibly damaging, which is why it's so important to have this legislation, uh, to know that in statute enshrined in law gives you the right to share your story, uh, especially knowing that with our Hmong community, uh, the Hmong story is a uniquely Wisconsin. Priscilla Robert, uh, final question. Um, not a question, but just appreciative of um the the representation that you are working on um and have been and just talking about uh the the diaspora and how many different folks fit under so many different identities uh and how it is means to be proud of that identity um i'm you know i'm i'm biracial and i you know i struggle sometimes thinking like who do i identify with more and like there's this mm -hmm. huge movement that i appreciate i appreciate that you are are leading and part of that moves away from the gross parts of identity politics and be like yeah no we need more representatives uh like me in office so another question just a comment and a thank you let me comment on the same lines as a gay man. I see a lot of, you know, overlap between that experience, right? Not being in the majority, wanting to identify, show you're part of the majority, the shame element. So there's a lot of different kinds because of intersectionality of minority status. And of course, intersectionality means I'm also a white male. So that's another thing, right? So um, anyway, I just think that, that that's what, Having that reflection, having that built into education, not having education based on banning supposedly dangerous ideas, 
is what's going to create a humanity that uh, that respects and cares for all and treasures all human life. I think the Wisconsin story needs to be one that diversity is our strength. And I want everyone to be proud to be a Wisconsinite and to live here. And in order to strengthen that Wisconsin identity, we have to embrace all different identities and recognize again that the diversity that we bring to our communities helps our communities. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today and having this just great discussion. And it was a very fitting end. You weren't here for the beginning, but we did have some reflections on what's going on right now on the tragic situation. And Priscilla started by talking about the importance of understanding the history of the situation and how you just cannot fathom the, just what's going on without that. And this is a excellent um, way to put a point on why the legislation is so important and what we discussed is so important because we cannot function and succeed as a multiracial democracy which is still the greatest experiment um, if we don't understand that. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. And with that, folks, we also want to thank Senator Larson for joining us. I want to thank our producer, Brian Wooldridge, who makes this happen every week. We, can't, we just can't do it without Brian. Folks, check us out every week here at the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, you can find us you know, all over the socials. And please, if you like this podcast, share it with others. Get it around. All right. With that, we'll see you all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.